Best Friends Finance, because when women talk about money, it's worth a million. Welcome to Best Friends Finance. I'm Laura Ford, and I'm here today with my co-host and best friend, Amanda Kessler. We started this podcast to help empower women to take control of their financial future by talking about money with friends. And today, we're super excited to have Christina Gudelis, a millennial business and finance blogger. So Christina is pretty fascinating to us because prior to last year, Christina, who is, as we just said, a young woman, had never invested in the markets other than contributing to her 401k. But Over the last year, she spent some time educating herself on all things financial. And as of April of last year, when she saw the stock market crashing and her friends and and people she knew were panicking, she made it her mission to spread financial education to all. So she's kind of one of our people because Laura and I, Christina, we were total financial neophytes and went from knowing nothing to like, we love this so much, we have to do a podcast about it. Christina loved it so much that she, she has created Financial You. It's financial at financial you underscore on Instagram. And we'll be sure to share that in our show notes. Um, where she educates um, millennials, but frankly, 40-somethings too, raising my hand, um, about all things money, investing, and feeling confident in getting into the markets, be, be it real estate or the investment market. So Christina, welcome. We're so happy to have you. Thank you. So happy to be here as well, Amanda. Okay. So we have this kind of a streak of talking to just lovely young women around your age, around 30, who way earlier than Laura and I figured out a lot about personal finance and financial independence. So our favorite way to start is with your money story. Basically, how did you grow up learning about money? Is it something your family talked about? Were you born to do this? Or or what was the evolution of you becoming a finance nerd? And I mean that in the best of ways. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And that could be very long-winded. I'll try to make it short here. But just taking a step back to um, to where I'm from and, and where my family is from, I think that my money story really started from a, a very young age. Um, going back to, to my family, my, um, my mother, she's born and raised in Cuba. So her parents actually came to the United States with absolutely nothing. Um, at the time, you know, Cuba was communist, still is even now. So, uh, you know, Fidel Castro had taken all of my grandparents' things um, from their wedding bands to even the clothes for their for their little kids, because my mom also had a brother, has a, has a brother. So um, they came to the U.S. and immigrated here with nothing. And um, just from a young uh, age, I think I was foundationally taught that if you work hard and um, really work smart as well, you you will be successful. And um, my grandparents, for example, my, my grandfather, he had to take a janitorial job, even though he was trained in accounting. And actually, because he did so well working that role at, at a university, they did promote him, they saw him and they promoted him to um, an admin. And then he even became an accountant here, which is what he was trained to do. So um, my my grandmother as well. She uh, she worked at AT and T and built up her nest egg with her four hundred one k. And then um, with my my parents, um, my mother as well was a, an entrepreneur. As was my father. He came to the U S. Similar similar story um, to my grandparents is that he he came as well from uh, communist Lithuania at the time and built a business from the ground up really worked super hard, three jobs at once. Same with my mother, they built something together. So I think that that really ingrained in me that when you work hard, you can achieve. Um, We ended in a great place. I would say we were 
middle to even high income by the end of it. And um, yeah, I started with my mom actually like working uh, in flea markets, selling things and just growing, growing my mouth, my wealth that way and watching her do it too. Of course, at, at that time, I would just get, you know, $10 here, $10 there, but definitely ingrained in me from a young age was the work hard um, factor. So, you know, what's interesting, Christina, I traveled to Cuba in 2019 and mm-hmm. I didn't really have a, a true appreciation for the enormity of what happened there under Fidel Castro that people like professionals, you know, successful professionals who had studied so hard and worked so hard in a, in a specific career had to literally flee the country with nothing and start right. over. So your grandparents' story is incredibly compelling. Absolutely. And they um, definitely started from the ground up. So what about education? Was that a big thing in your family? Was college a given? You knew you needed to, you were going to pursue higher education? Great question. I think um, both sides of my family have different stories. So on on my mom's side, she went to college. She actually got a full ride because, as I mentioned, my grandfather started at a university. And because he was promoted to take on that accounting role, his uh, children were able to get education at that university. So she definitely has university experience. My father, on the other side, really doesn't have university experience, yet still was able to build what's what's now a um, uh, national or international corporation, I should say. And um, I think for me, I always knew, though, growing up in the States, I did need that education. So higher education was very important for me and still is to this day. I ended up um, a year or two after graduating from undergrad doing uh, graduate school and and I do see the value in it. You note in your blog or in your bio that you even took a 12-week course at Boston University to learn about finances and money. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. I did that this past summer. So in the midst of quarantine, with the time that uh, commuting saved me, I was definitely able to look into other options and, and capitalize on my uh, passion for for finance. So I took a 12-week course. It was uh, step one in their certificate of financial planning. I think there's about seven modules, and this was module one. So it was introduction to financial planning, and it covered the gamut, the full range from the basics of compound interest and um, you know the future value, present value of money, to also wealth building with uh, legacy. So estate planning and on. So I found it interesting, Christina, that, you know, you're 30 now, but you mentioned that prior to last year, you had never invested in the markets and really just contributed to your 401k. And Laura knows this. I completely relate to that because from my first, you know, real job at the age of 25, I graduated from law school. I started working. I maxed out my 401k. And really that's about all I did for 15 years. And I thought I was fine. You know, <laughs> like I figured yeah. I'm investing in a 401k. That's great. I didn't really look much beyond that. So how did you figure out there was more to it and you wanted to get into investing? Same here. And and great question. I really think the introduction to financial planning course that I took kind of gave me that quick head start where I was learning so, so much about the Um, present and future value of money and how compound interest really works. So that gave me the extra push. Uh, Prior to that, I had done a a dabbled with uh, robo advisories. So 
uh, I did kind of see my wealth grow in that sense, but it really wasn't until I became uh, a student of the business, I would say, and started to look more into personal finance that I realized what wealth really could be created. And just like you, Amanda, I had wished I started sooner too. It's like personal finance isn't taught in school and it absolutely should and has to be. So I'm really curious, Christina, Amanda and I both had kind of a head in the sand approach to money and finances. And then things started to shift in our shift in our lives, which is really what changed our trajectory on, you know, our personal path to success with wealth. What was it for you that made you just dive into, you know, wanting to take this 12 week course? And what drove you to get so excited and passionate about finances? Lara, I think the biggest thing for me was when the markets crashed in March, I had numerous conversations with girlfriends, um, coworkers alike that included, um, you know, men too. And just people were selling off their 401ks. They were also just super confused. There was so much, um, I felt like it was such a tumultuous environment. And for me, I always knew the foundations that, you know, you do have to be patient. The markets fluctuate, they go down, but they come back up. So I was that coach for them. And I realized, wow, there is a huge um, disconnect between what people know about personal finance, um, you know, and just tactics to, to grow their wealth and even invest for retirement. So the great thing was with COVID, it saved me the time that I would have previously spent commuting. So that was a solid two hours a day. And not only that, but um, just the, the bit more of the flexibility from working from home that that gives you, right? You don't take... Uh, miscellaneous meetings that may not have a purpose and uh, you don't, you know, have the uh, water fountain talk and chatter and whatever it may be. So that gave me the extra time and really the push that I needed. Plus I was stuck at home, just like all of, you know, all of, all of us were. And so that gave me the push to really take on this, um, this mission, which was to primarily empower women just because I've always understood that there was a pay gap. And then in my research, further understanding that not only is there a pay gap, but there's a wealth gap, there's a gender wealth gap here, not only in the United States, but globally, you know, women in the US make 32 cents or own 32 cents to every man's dollar. And so COVID really gave me that boost I needed to to launch my initiative here. That is striking. 32 cents to a dollar. I had never heard that statistic before. That's a bummer. It's shocking. <laughs> totally shocking. So I wish that my husband um, had had your just nice sense of peace and calm and control. Because when you said that about people, you know, panicking and pulling out of the markets, Laura made a big face um, because she knows what happened with him and his 401k pulled a lot of money out. And what happened? The markets went up and up and up. Like he just felt like we hit the prior all-time high and he was going to pull out and save it and then wait for it to dip. And guess what? It hasn't dipped. So yeah, the fact that you have this, this sense of peace and calm and the ability to, um, I think buying and holding might be easier for women than men. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we just kind of understand that philosophy better. Yeah, I mean, maybe we I think there's there's definitely some truth to that we are um, might be more patient or more calm. But um, uh, along those same lines, yeah, uh, 
he wasn't alone, right? So many people sold and they thought that it, it wouldn't go back up. And what did it do? It just didn't stop going back up. So mm-hmm. I love your quote from one of your recent posts, trust in time rather than timing. 100%. I mean, and in, in when you're investing in the market, that's what you're doing. You're looking at compound interest over time. Timing is silly. Trying to time the market will only bring you pain, or at least maybe in my husband's case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, um, if we only had that knowledge early on, and I might've heard it once, twice, a handful of times in my younger years when I was 18, 21, but those courses aren't taught uh, in, in high school and college. So they're, they're not being pushed out. Um, it's like in marketing, right? There's that whole marketing rule of seven. You have to see a brand seven times before buying it. And it's like, I can, I can only count on one hand how many times the topic of compound interest has come up in my life. So that brings me to a question. You are putting this message out on Instagram and your peers are seeing the incredible things you've done and you, you are adding such value. At least, you know, Laura and I are so into this stuff. We love what you do. What is the reception you're getting from your peers? Are they receptive to this information? Are people wanting to open the conversation? Amanda, they are so receptive. I'm even surprised at just how uh, receptive they really are. I mean, in the past 30 days alone, my when, when I go ahead and look at my traffic results as far as performance stats on Instagram, I'm up 2,000% in, in reach. I mean, this is really, really something that people are curious about. They don't know enough about. Many times I will post... Um, uh, polls and quizzes in my stories. So I'll ask uh, different questions based off of statistics that I find on online, or I'll ask questions to the group around their money experiences. And I can't tell you the amount of people who get answers wrong and who also answer no to so many questions as simple as, have you tracked your net worth? You know, are you automating your investment? investments to go directly into an investment account, right? From your paycheck, things like that. Well, I was going to ask you what your most commonly asked question is, and especially because not you do appeal to both women and men, but I mean, I know your, your big mission is kind of like Amanda and I's it's really to help empower the women, the ladies. Mm -hmm. Um, But so what is, what is your most commonly asked question that you get from from women? The basics, foundational. So two main ones, I would say, I can't pick one because I think it's a little of both. It's how do I get started investing? Um, And then it's questions around savings accounts. So like, what do you mean that a high yield savings account can yield me a 0.5 or even 1% return on my money. So on that note, you recently did a post about emergency funds, what they are and why we should have them. And I really loved how you broke it down. Would you be willing to give us your explanation of emergency funds and, and how to calculate what you need to build up a solid emergency fund? Of course, Amanda, I would say for an emergency fund to be fully and well-established, you need about three to nine months of savings in a liquid account. And so what those savings will include are your three to nine months of expenses. So for me, for example, my expenses include everything from my monthly rent to my insurance for my car, 
phone bills and then food for me, for my pup. Um, and so those are what I calculate when I multiply my three to nine months. Now, I know that that's a little bit of a broad range. And so what I usually say, and this this I've definitely taken from what experts suggest, is steer on the lower side of the three to nine months if you're not a homeowner or you don't have children or you're not the main breadwinner. And then steer on the higher end. So the not so maybe the six to nine months if you are a homeowner, because typically a lot more expenses may come up, or if you're the sole uh, primary breadwinner of your family. And I'm a total example of that, as we talked about before we started recording. Our heater went out last night in the middle of the night, and we're a homeowner, and this is the one that comes into play. So it's interesting, just last week, um, we shared on our Instagram about uh, a recent statistic that said 39, only 39% of Americans would be able to handle a $1,000 emergency with cash on hand. So we talk a lot about emergency funds, and I'm so glad for you to talk about this with us, because if only 39% of people can only handle a $1,000 emergency, then people definitely do not have three to six to nine months of of emergency spending. And man, it's just, and I didn't, I will say I didn't until, I mean, after we bought a home, after we made, you know, large purchases and started our lives and should have had that, we still didn't have one because we thought, oh, that'd be, we could put things on credit cards. And that is the last thing you want to do when you're potentially looking at 18, 20% interest. So I really appreciate that explanation. I also appreciate how it's a little different depending on your circumstance, like whether you're a homeowner, a parent, a sole breadwinner versus someone like yourself who's probably, oh no, are you a homeowner or are you renting? So both, I actually am a homeowner and I'm currently renting out the home I own. And so that pays for my monthly rent with the apartment I currently rent. Do you have an apartment in the same, is it like something split into two or you have a separate apartment? Nope, totally separate. It's actually out of state as well. So I own a home out of state that I rent out. And then I currently live in Brooklyn and rent uh, my spot there. Wow, Laura, we just interviewed the author of The Cash Machine, Hannah Mason, which is a book that we absolutely love. And it's a young woman who starts house hacking in her 20s. It's a, actually a love story. It's fictional, but it's a it's a financial independence journey. I highly recommend it. So that is fantastic. How did you figure that out? And how long have you been doing that? Yeah, so actually, I inherited the property um, that I currently own. And the thing about that was I inherited it in my early 20s. And so to be honest, it didn't come with a handbook, right? So there actually was a lot that I had to learn, mostly as it related to taxes. And then furthermore, like you were mentioning around the really big expenses that come up, right? Like just a few months ago, my um, heating and AC unit broke. Um, you know, that's $7,500 right up front out of pocket. And those little things are ones that definitely took some time to learn the rules to, especially when it comes to renting, because when renting, there's just so many more, um, there's so much more nitty gritty that comes when, when taxes come to play, right? Uh, there's, there's things related to even tourist tax because it's in the South, it's in Florida. So there's definitely a tourist tax involved if it's a six month rental or less. And then there's different homestead rules. And so 
to be honest, I had to work that out on my own and definitely made some mistakes there. So I love that you're, I was going to, I was going to get there, Amanda. I was going to ask her about her real estate investing. Um, so a lot of people, so you've got an additional source of income, a passive income stream from your, I'm assuming from your rental, or it helps cover right. your current rent. Um, mm-hmm. a, so a lot of people that do, uh, that practice the house hacking and that sort of thing, they also, they also follow the FI movement. Is that something that, you know, do you talk about that or is that something that you follow or? Yeah, good question. Um, the FI movement is something that is new to me too, and is not something that I'm currently after. I'm definitely um, not right now, at least an avid um, retire early. I think that for me, if you can find what you're passionate about in your day to day, you don't need to be living that movement of retiring early and just wanting to get it one and done. Like I said, from the beginning, I was taught as a young age that if you do find your passion and you work really hard at it, that you will succeed and and you'll be happy. So for me, it's just about being happy. And if I need to work past my 65, 70 year old mark to do so, and I'm happy doing it, then I don't need to retire early. We both love what we do. So we feel the same way. And so when we first started following the FIRE movement, we were kind of turned off by that. Well, I don't want to retire early. But one of our previous guests, Delian, was it Delian Barros who said this, Laura? I think she calls it um, financial independence relax. Relax. Early. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Meaning, and, <laughs> and I love that. Just the idea that once you reach your financial independence number, you work because you love what you're doing. But if you wanted to stop tomorrow, you could. So you have this kind of relaxing feeling of I'm doing this because I love it, but I don't actually need it. And I have to say that part is really compelling to me. Sure. And I love as well the idea behind it of that, hey, I can relax if I want to. Absolutely. So Christina, if you were, um, so Laura's got daughters in their 20s. I've got younger daughters, but for a young woman who's just now thinking, okay, I don't just want to uh, contribute to my 401k and my Roth. I want to go beyond this. Do you have a, a simple tip on where to start or how to educate themselves to feel comfortable um, getting into the market? Definitely. I would say start with a robo-advisor. That's how I started. It's a really great method because you can just set it and forget it. So some great robo-advisors could be SoFi, for example. Um, I know they're a little bit more new and they are running, for example, a 0% management fee at the moment. So that's just a nice way to contribute a portion of each of your paychecks and have it just automate and go in there and the the platform will do the work for you in purchasing, whether it's index funds, ETFs, individual stocks for you. Um, I also really like Acorns Invest. That's a nice platform for somebody just getting started, Sh- should also be able to be considered a robo-advisor. And in addition to that, it's nice too, because you can log in with your app. It's super seamless. They even offer some discounts and deals on certain stores that the girls may be shopping at anyway, whether it's Sephora or, you know, your typical uh, Walmart target run, they sometimes offer cash back there. And then those dollars go into the market. So what's the difference between using a robo advisor and just opening up a Vanguard index fund yourself? It's, is there an additional level of support that you're receiving? 
Yes. With a robo-advisor, the platform will do the purchasing of the ETFs or stocks for you. So the difference is you don't have to go in and execute the trade on your own. So as so whereas with a brokerage, for example, TD Ameritrade, I use them to do my individual stock picks and ETF trades. I have to actually go in there, place the buy. So I'll put in how many shares I'd like, as well as if I want, I can put a limit order in, I can set the price on my own. That is my bare or my maximum buy, let's say at what price do I want to buy at a maximum? And um, I have to execute the trade. So I have to be in front of the, the, the computer to do so. And you know, you can also automate that, but it's still you going in there, placing what you want to buy and having to also figure out which funds to get involved in on your own. I mean, I think we recently learned from someone that they thought that they were invested for like 10 or 15 years and they were, the money was going into the account, but they weren't, it wasn't actually doing the purchase. Well, it will also prevent you from being like myself and, and Jeff, Laura's husband, who Yesterday, both of us just had a chunk sitting in our Vanguard and both of us were like, okay, well, I told Laura, I'm like, I just invested mine. And then she told Jeff and he finally invested his. I mean, there you go. Trying to time, looking at it every day, like maybe it'll go down a few dollars. I mean, that's so pointless. (laughs) Yeah. Christina, one thing well, that we also talk a lot about on your on your Instagram is um, your net worth. And that is something that I have been fascinated with. You know, we all kind of, Amanda plants her head in the sand on, on one thing, and then I kind of go another direction. Like I've been obsessed with my credit score and growing my net worth. Um, talk to us a little bit about, about net worth and what you find compelling about it. Sure. So Lara, your net worth is your assets minus your liabilities. And that equals your net worth. And so what a lot of people I think don't realize is that their debt does play into this calculation. So, you know, you can add up for your assets, everything from your cash on hand to anything you have in the market, stocks, bonds. You can also total up, you know, if you have luxury goods or items that you know will sell for value, all of that can be put into this assets number in addition to real estate, but then you do have to deduct your outstanding debt. So any of your loans do count to this calculation and that's where you get the true net worth value. Oh, Christina, we're a little late to the game here. We are. (laughs) No, it's never too late, right? As long as you get started. Absolutely. And that's why we have these conversations and why Laura and I have tried to be very transparent because you don't have to be someone who just was born with this personal finance gene to take control and really do amazing things in a short amount of time. I mean, the Ford, Laura and her family have wiped out a ton of debt. My husband and I have caught up on retirement savings and it was just, it just took intention and a little bit of education. So we love what you are doing for your audience because it's invaluable and clearly they are receiving it well. I mean, I was just looking through and reading comments and I mean, you've created quite a discussion to be be proud of. The education has to be out there. Well, thank you so much for doing your part to put it out there um, to people who might otherwise just be on Instagram to look at handbags and some new shoes. Maybe they're getting a little financial education. We appreciate that. Of course. Yeah, no, I think they are. So I'm, I'm very excited about it. We do often talk to our guest, uh, Christina, about that because Instagram is such, I mean, it's all about the images, right? And the buying now and all the pretty stuff. So for someone 
at your age in your early 30s, how do you avoid being tempted by all the temptation, if you will, on Instagram? Of course. And that's not to say that I don't get tempted. Like you said, I mean, I do. I just bought a cell phone cover the other day on Instagram <laughs> off an ad I saw, right? Um, but I think that right now and, and where I am, I don't know if it was also that turning 30 that did it to me, but I am really interested and passionate about thinking long-term. And so with that long-term mindset comes the responsibility to get uh, say no to your urges, right? And so that's why I do intend on having, and it has come through to fruition, which I'm extremely pleased to see, but have my account be educational. And so I even did a post the other day that just mentioned, guys, I love you. Thank you for, you know, the 3000 followers, because all of you are interested in educational content. And I absolutely love as well, scrolling through my feed and seeing educational content. Well, we, you have fans in us and now fans in Laura's daughters, I'm sure. And hopefully a, a bunch of new fans with our listeners. Christina, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate you. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Laura, I was so impressed with Christina because as we always talk about, we wish we'd figured this stuff out earlier, but at 30, she's understanding the value of net worth. She's investing and she's figured out how to use robo-investors for the assistance she needs for low-risk investment. And she's figured out the emergency fund. I really liked her explanation of looking at um, what are your absolutely what are your non-negotiable expenses like your rent, your food, your, your utilities, keeping the lights on um, rather than maybe looking at everything you spend during a month? An emergency fund is not to keep you bar hopping. It's to keep the lights on and keep you in your home. Um, but I, I found that really compelling, especially her um, comments on whether you want to be more toward the three-month side or more toward the six to nine-month side, because we are at that point in our life where we have to be more toward that six or nine-month side. Absolutely. And it took us a little while to get there, but, but we got there and it feels so, it feels like such an accomplishment. It's like, it's you, you, Mandy, you always say that you love to like check, you know, cross something off of your list or check the box. That is definitely something that once you can check that box, there's a huge sense of relief. Absolutely. And while Christina is adding incredible value to her peers on Instagram, we are also on Instagram. So if you're not following us at Best Friends Finance, we'd love for you to follow us. We're also on Facebook at Best Friends Finance. And if you want to get the best friends in your inbox so you never miss an episode, we're at bestfriendsfinance.com where you can subscribe. And leave us a review. We love reviews. Reviews help us continue the conversation with because reviews are the way that more more women will find us and join this incredibly important conversation because we've learned when women talk about money, it's worth a million. Until next time.